Now, some of you may know, I first met the woman that would become my wife at church. And we, uh, I w- it was my second Sunday at that church, and it was her first Sunday at that church. But I had only, the one time I'd been to that church was several months before, so I didn't really know anybody. And um, I was just looking for somebody to sit by, and so I sat by her. I said, can I sit by you? And she said, sure. And so we sat by each other, and we kept sitting by each other week after week. And um, both not knowing, she thought I had been at that church, and I thought she had been at that church, but we were both new. And over time, um, I decided that I wanted to have a relationship with her. And she also decided that she wanted to have a relationship with me. Um, and over time, eventually, we we got married. And here's the thing. We still have to decide that we want to have a relationship with each other. Um, it's It's a constant thing where we are being challenged and changed uh, so that we can be in an intimate relationship with each other, and it requires full engagement. And at the same time, there is God who wants to have a relationship with me. And I say that I want to have a relationship with him. And so the same principle applies if God wants to have a relationship with me and I want to have a relationship with God am I willing to give this my constant and full engagement will I do the work to have a relationship with him And that is what we're getting to in Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Where the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So in order to engage in this relationship, we have to work, or I have to work, with diligence. It requires work with diligence. See, salvation begins with the work of the Holy Spirit and our faith. This is unique to Christianity, that salvation begins with God. And it's not just some kind of helping hand thing. It's not like in Greek mythology where Prometheus gives us fire and then we have to uh, figure out what to do with it as human beings. But God does the whole job of salvation. It is God who initiated contact with human beings and revealed himself. It is God who became a man and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. It is God's grace that allows us to act in faith. The whole job is God's. 
And this offer is given to all people. That's John 3.16. And so the salvation is the work of God, but then Paul writes, working out our salvation, that is, continuing to engage in this relationship, that requires obedience. As you have always obeyed, he says. Working through it requires obedience. It's not doing something in order to earn salvation, but it's doing something to work through salvation. It's kind of like having a job. We don't generally work at a job in hopes of then earning that job that we're already doing. We don't go to some place and say, I'll work for you for free, and then maybe you'll hire me. No, first we get the job, and then because we have the job, now we do the work of the job. And that's what Paul is talking about with salvation. We, we first are given salvation from God, and then we do the work of salvation because we are saved. And Paul says this obedience happens not only in his presence, but also much more in his absence. See, the, it's this constant thing. Not just when someone's looking over our shoulder do we need to engage in our relationship with God and working through our salvation through obedience, but even when no one's looking over our shoulder. Like going back to the example of having the job. We should be doing our work. I should be doing my work whether my boss or my manager is looking over my shoulder or not. You know, back when I worked at Hewlett Packard, my managers were always in other states. I never had a manager. Um, I had a supervisor for a short period of time that worked in a cube nearby me, but my my managers had actually decided, like if I got promotions and stuff like that, they were in Texas or in Denver or, I mean, they were always out of state. And even for several years of that job, I worked from home. So there was no one ever looking over my shoulder to see if I did my job. But I felt I had to work diligently because really the only way my manager would know me and be able to evaluate me was on the quality of my work. So I had to work through even when I wasn't being watched. And when we do this work, it's with serious action. The Apostle Paul says, work with fear. That word is literally literally terror or phobia. It's instinctual fight or flight or freeze. Now, I don't think what he's talking about here is the idea of being afraid of God. I better obey God because when he comes back, he's going to get me. But that instinctual need to act in a situation. When we are in terror, we will act in some way. Fight, flight, or freeze. We will act. And what James 2.18 says is, if we are truly saved, we will also 
act. I show my faith by my work. So we act with fear, and we also act with trembling. The anxiety of one who distrusts his own ability to completely meet all the requirements. But religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty with trembling. The anxiety of one who distrusts his ability to complete, completely meet all the requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill the requirements. When I, when I think of that, I think of the high priest going into the tabernacle or the temple. Um, they knew that if they went in there in an unworthy manner, if they had sin, had not purified themselves properly, done these things, God would strike them down and they would die in the tabernacle and they would be pulled out by a rope. And so at some point they they would have to distrust their own ability to stand before God and put the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. But they would diligently, religiously do their utmost to fulfill them and hope God would have mercy. And Paul writes about this in First Corinthians or excuse me, Second Corinthians three or excuse me, Second Corinthians seven thirteen through sixteen. He says, By all this we are encouraged, in addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was, because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as Everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has been proved true as well. And his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I'm glad I have complete confidence in you. So Paul had sent Titus to Corinth, and he had been bragging about how they were going to take care of him. And what had happened was... When Titus got there, he found everything that Paul had been saying about them turned out to be true. And they were, they, they greeted Titus with fear and trembling. They, they acted and they did their best to complete their duty. Even, even Paul, the Apostle Paul preached this way. 1 Corinthians 2, 2-5, he said, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom but on God's power. He says, As I preached the gospel, I did my duty. I, I, had, I had to do it because... That is my calling, but I didn't just rely on my own strength, even though I did my utmost. John Wesley put it this way. It's working with a singleness of heart, with the utmost earnestness of spirit, and with all care and caution, with the utmost diligence, speed, 
punctuality and exactness. It's it's kind of like a child obeying their parents' wishes the first time they are asked and doing it immediately and doing it correctly and doing it enthusiastically. And John Wesley, he called this not earning salvation, but, quote, securing the salvation which Christ purchased for us, laying a hold of it. For me, it's somewhat like when we were called here, the church provided a parsonage for me and my family to live in. But I had to actually move in and live there for it to be my home. I had to engage. There in history, there's a man named, Bert, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Bertoldo di Giovanni. Uh, even enthusiastic art lovers might not recognize that name because both his teacher and his students were more famous than he was. He was the pupil of Donatello, who was the greatest sculptor of his time. And he was the teacher of Michelangelo, the greatest sculptor of all time, among other things that Michelangelo did. Now, Michelangelo was 14 when he came to Bertoldo, and it was already known that Michelangelo was obviously enormously gifted. But Bertoldo was wise enough to realize that gifted people are often tempted to coast rather than to grow. Therefore, he kept trying to pressure his young prodigy to work seriously at his art. One day he came into the studio to find Michelangelo toying with a piece of sculpture that was far beneath his abilities. So Bertoldo grabbed a hammer, stomped across the room, and smashed the work into tiny pieces, shouting this unforgettable message. Michelangelo, talent is cheap. Dedication is costly. John Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost, in order to have the time to write that, he got up at 4 a.m. every morning. Diligent work. See, we have to do our part, but Jesus has already done his part. Jesus worked diligently for our salvation. He says this in John 5.17. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And so are we willing to work? Am I willing to work for my part? Diligence is working hard at my salvation, not working hard for my salvation. And our, our discipleship, Living Stones, it's about getting serious and diligent about my relationship with God. It will absolutely require work. I will have to make it a priority. It's going to require energy and time. It's not something that can be done without trying hard. But it's something that can be done. 
just have to get serious. Let's go back to our text. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, we also need to work with direction. It tells us to continue. This is a work that is continuing what God has already started. Back to Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God starts the work in the church and he will finish it. And we are called to work it out, he says. It means to work it all the way through. To work it all the way to completion. To work it to the end. We need to not just start and then quit. Don't just start and mess around. Don't start and then get sidetracked by distractions. Finish. It's kind of like getting one of my daughters to finish a meal sometimes. They start to eat, then they want to talk. Or they start to eat, but they want to watch TV. Or they want to talk. You know, there's, there's all these things that it can distract. And it's like, can we just finish the meal? Because you need to finish the meal. Because if you don't finish the meal, an hour later you're going to be hungry. <laughs> and working it out to the end, that presumes that there is a goal. That there's an end point that actually can be achieved. And I'm proposing that there are actually many goals and milestones that can be achieved. It's not just like this one thing, okay, I work as a Christian following Christ, and then there's this final just one end goal. There are many goals that we can achieve. There's an astronomer named Clyde Tombaugh. He discovered the planet Pluto. See, astronomers had calculated that there was a probable orbit for a suspected heavenly body, and so Tombaugh took up the search in March of 1929. According to Time magazine, he examined scores of telescopic photographs, each showing tens of thousands of star images in pairs under his dual microscope. It often took three days to scan a single pair. It was exhausting, eye-cracking work. He called it brutal tediousness, and it went on for months. Star by star, he examined 20 million images. And then just short of a year later, February 18, 1930, as he was blinking at a pair of photographs in the constellation Gemini, he says, I suddenly came across the image of Pluto. And that was the most dramatic astronomic discovery in nearly 100 years. Now, growing up in California, another story, we were all familiar with Magic Johnson, the basketball player. And, you know, great eye for the court, passer, dribbler. 
and how he became a good dribbler of the basketball. From time he was a child, he, he, would, he, he told the story of how he'd walk to school dribbling the basketball. He'd walk to school dribbling the basketball in his right hand, and he would walk home dribbling the ball in his left hand. You know, for me, it could be compared to kind of working towards my my bachelor's degree and even my master's. Um, see, when I was in high school and when I first started college, I didn't know why I was going to college. I didn't know why I was there. I knew I was supposed to go, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so in some ways, I just kind of messed around. I was taking classes, but I didn't know why, and I wasn't doing well. Um, but once I figured out my major and I had a goal, I knew what I was called to do. Then I was able to figure out where, you know, what was the right college for me. And I actually finished very quickly and I did very well. But I need to have a goal. See, Jesus can be our example here because he had a direction and a purpose when he came to save us. Mark 2.17 says that Jesus Christ came in the world to call sinners to repentance. Luke 19.10, Jesus came into the world to seek and save the lost. Matthew 20.28, Jesus came into the world to demonstrate the true purpose of life and give himself as a ransom. John 18.37, Jesus came into the world to be a king and to bear witness to the truth. John 6.38, Jesus came into the world to do the will of the Father. John 12:46 Jesus came into the world to be a light to the world. John 10:10 10, 10, Jesus came into the world that people might have abundant life. John 9:39 Jesus came into the world to judge the world. Mark 1:38 Jesus came into the world to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. John 12:27 Jesus came into the world to die on the cross. Matthew 5.17, Jesus came into the world to fulfill the law. Matthew 10.34 and 35, Jesus came into the world to make a chosen people. Jesus had a purpose, he had a goal, he worked to it. And this work towards something, and not merely, this is work towards something, not merely just around something. Again, John Wesley put it this way. We ourselves must do this work, or it will be left undone forever. Scripture shows that salvation is both instantaneous and gradual. It begins the moment... We are justified in the holy, humble, gentle, patient love of God. It gradually increases from that moment as a grain of mustard seed, which at first is the least of all seeds, but afterwards puts forth large branches and becomes a great tree until in another instant the heart is cleansed from all sin 
and filled with the purest love of God. Love to God and love to humans. But even that love increases more and more until we grow up into all things, into him that is our head, until we attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what are we working towards? Sometimes we think too far out, well, depending on where we are in life. See, there are certainly rewards in heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, John fourteen three. James one twelve says, the one who perseveres under trial will receive the crown of life. And Matthew 5.12 said the persecuted will get a great reward in heaven. Now, for some of us, heaven's coming along quicker than for some of us others. But, you know, there are also rewards right now. Matthew 25.21, in, in the parable, Jesus says, Faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into your master's rest. There are things we need to work for, and there are rewards for them. Now, with Living Stones Discipleship, we have 12 targets, 12 milestones, 12 goals to work towards. Faith and redemption. A sacramental life. Accountability. Transformation. Restorative justice in society. Evangelism. Responsibility, stewardship, our emotional life, our church life, spiritual disciplines, and the knowledge of God in the scriptures. That's a lot, I admit. But let's get focused. Pick one or two that you want to work on just this year. Let's go back to the passage one more time. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We need to work with the deity. Work with God. We work with diligence We work with direction, and we work with our deity. Because this is God's work. See, I've not hidden the fact that this will be hard work for us. It is hard work for me. It's not my job. (laughs) Because as we started with the idea that salvation starts with God, we also see that it's God's work all the way to the end. God takes the responsibility to get it done. We just have to get on board. John Wesley again put it this way. First, God works. Therefore, you can work. Secondly, God works. Therefore, you must work. You must be workers together with him. Otherwise, He will cease working. 
We work with God. Augustine put it this way. He, he that made us without ourselves will not save us without ourselves. So we say like the Lord Jesus, my father works and I work. And it's God's work. The word is energizo, like energizer bunny. God's work is to will. He gives us the desire to do it. John Wesley calls that the inward holiness. God gives us the energy to act. That's he enables us. Wesley calls that our outward holiness. And he works in us to fulfill his good purpose. He will get us to the goal. John Wesley suggests that we actually transpose the words to understand how and why God does this. So he writes it like this. It is God that of his good pleasure works in you both to will and to do. God breathes into us every good desire and brings every good desire into effect. So are we working with God? You know, God asked the Apostle Paul in Acts twenty six fourteen, Saul, why do you kick at the goads? In other words, why are you working against me, Saul? I want you working with me. Get this, you know, we, we have in our congregation uh, people who show dogs. And a well-bred dog can win if it can walk with the presenter and sit when it's supposed to sit. But think about this. The, the breeders, they set up the breeding. They take care of the dog's pedigree. They take the dog to the vet. They enter the dog into the show. They pay the fees. They groom the dog. They feed the dog. They travel with the dog to the show. And as necessary, they do all the schmoozing with the people that need to be schmoozed with. The dog handlers do all the work. But the dog has to obey. Which takes us back to our first point. It's like following with Christ. Jesus Christ said, He came into the world to do the will of the Father. John 6.38 I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of Him that sent me. It wasn't always easy work. Luke 22.42 Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. We need to be working with God, not against God, and not apart from God. If we're going, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, that is growing towards a goal. Got to get serious. Got to get focused. Got to get on board. <laughs>